Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. earpiece earphones on and my microphone working right good morning everybody welcome to today's issues here on the american family radio network as always we thank you for listening to afr i'm tim wildman this is a live radio show for the next hour and 25 minutes uh fred fred jackson with me good morning fred good morning good to be here ed battagliano well, good morning. We'll we'll see if it's live. We'll see if it's oh, lively. It's happening. We'll see if it's lively. Yeah, lively. It's happening. Always. All right. Uh, so much to talk about. We will get started on the news in just a moment. But first of all, my colleague here to the left, Ed Battagliano, will tell you how you can join us on what he affectionately calls that their internet. That's right. If you would like to watch us do radio, uh-huh. and as we say, who wouldn't? You can simply go to YouTube or Facebook and uh, search for Today's Issues. That is the name of this program. And you can click through and you can watch us uh, on Facebook. We do post stories that we cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes they are, uh, quote-unquote, fact-checked by Facebook. <laughs> we, we've got one of those up <laughs> today that we'll be discussing. It's already been fact in fact. Our producer, Brent Creeley, posted it, and it was probably 30 seconds later, 60 seconds, it had already been yeah, it uh, had tagged. The, it had the word Ivy. Ivermectin. Uh, you said it. I was going to spell it so they couldn't check us. Oh. <laughs> so that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a story about Ivermectin, the effectiveness of Ivermectin in India yes. to treat COVID. <laughs> It was just, it was just fact, basically factual information, studies and so forth, and it got fl- flagged instantaneously, wasn't it? It was. It was just about in, instantaneous, and so I, I did a, check the. Uh, it says, see uh, why, uh, see why this is false information. Okay, what they say, and they said there's no evidence to link the use of ivermectin to the drop in cases of the Delta variant in India. So. Anyway, that's, that's not true. Yeah, well, well, I'm fact checking the fact checkers. <laughs> okay. Well, you can't do it as fast as their algorithm can. So anyway, folks, that's how you can check yeah. uh, and watch the show. If you are going to be traveling and want to still listen to AFR, and you should, uh, simply download the uh, download the AFR app to your phone or other portable handheld device, and you can listen anywhere you have good internet. We are going to be talking about that in just a little bit. Uh, Fred's got a bombshell story out of the liberal magazine, The Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, but first of all, what's what's uh, what's another big story in the news today, Fred? Well, yesterday our big story had to do with a report out from Bob Woodward's new book, Peril, <clears throat> in which he basically uh, talks about the activities of uh, General Mark Milley, who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under the last couple of years of the Trump administration and uh, has continued in that job under the Biden administration. Basically, uh, the story yesterday was in the uh, closing months of the Trump administration, General Milley uh, was making phone calls and talking to people 
about the possible irrational decisions that might be made by his former boss, Donald Trump. In particular, I, I guess the, the big story was about a phone call that General Milley made to his counterpart in, uh, in, in China, uh, General Lee. And, when was this phone call made? Do you all know? right, there's two phone calls. Let's be clear about that. The first phone call was made on October 30th, so just a few days before the election. The second phone call was made after January 6th, the riot at Ca- in the U.S. Capitol. I think it was around January the 8th. So basically what has happened, so yesterday we had people quoting the book by Woodward and uh, Costas, I believe it is. Now, uh, we and we wondered, well, how long is it going to take for Millie to come out and respond to what is said in this book? Well, yesterday, a spokesman for Millie basically came out and confirmed that what was reported from uh, Woodward's book was true. Those phone calls did happen. So what I wanted to do right now is read you a portion of the statement that was released for Millie spoke, by Millie's spokesman, who is Colonel Dave Butler said Milley acted within his authority as the most senior uniformed advisor to the president and to the secretary of defense. Here's a quote from uh, Colonel Butler. His calls with the Chinese and others in October and January were in keeping with these duties and responsibilities conveying reassurance in order to maintain strategic stability. All calls from the chairman to his counterparts included those reported our staff coordinated and communicated with the Department of Defense and the interagency. Now, so they're admitting phone calls were made to the Chinese. What wasn't denied, but does not in the statement, is that in a, apparently, reportedly, in one of those conversations between Milley and his counterpart in China, Milley says, if we attack you, if the United States attacks you, China, I'll give you a phone call in advance to warn you that it's going to happen. Now, the statement from Millie's spokesman yesterday does not address that specifically, but it does not deny that that was said in that phone call. Now, my understanding is that these kinds of phone calls between uh, the Joint Chiefs uh, chairman and counterparts, even with Russia and China, yes. but also uh, heads of defense forces around the world, are done on a regular basis. So we want to make sure that we are not misunderstood here. We're not saying that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, did anything wrong by calling the, his Chinese counterpart. The question is the account that Woodward and Costa have of those two phone calls is did Milley say what Woodward and Costa s- say he said, which is what you just laid out. That is what people are talking about. That is what people are upset about. Even people in the military, retired members of the military, saying, listen, if, if he did say that and the perception is there in the military that he said this, this is a, bit, this is a very big deal. Well, and one of those uh, military is retired Brigadier General uh, Don uh, Boldick, who was interviewed on Fox and Friends this morning, listened to his assessment, if indeed it's true, that Millie told uh, Lee, the chi- his Chinese counterpart, that I'll give you a phone call 
if if we're going to attack you. He says he calls it somewhere between treason and dereliction of duty. Cut three. I believe his actions are irresponsible and they fall somewhere between treason and dereliction of duty. We never would tolerate that in our uh, subordinate officers. We would remove them immediately. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer are recent examples. This is, uh, I am being reached out to by many people in the military who have lost confidence in the chairman. Uh, there's a perception out there that he did this. Uh, he needs to uh, do the right thing, have some moral courage, step aside. We need to conduct an investigation and he needs to be held accountable for this either treasonous or somewhere between dereliction of duty. Now, uh, we also need to mention that late yesterday afternoon, uh, President Joe Biden uh, responded to a question from a reporter, and I'm paraphrasing here, but President Biden says he has full confidence in uh, General Milley, so that means General Milley, for the moment, is not going anywhere. But he's also under attack, needless to say, from some Republican senators, uh, Senators John Kennedy of Louisiana and <laughs> Senator Lindsey Graham uh, have been on Fox over the last 12 hours or so, and uh, this this is their assessment of Milley's alleged statements to the Chinese. Cut number two. I know President Biden has said he will stand behind and stands behind General Milley. And maybe that's true for the short term, but I'm going to give you even odds that eventually the White House throws him under the bus. Because the White House desperately needs someone besides President Biden on which to blame the, uh, the stunning incompetence in Afghanistan. My old buddy Joe Biden has been about as dumb as a rock on foreign policy for 30 years. He's been a disastrous president of the United States. The reason the Taliban are in charge today is because of Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, not the generals. All right, so that was Senators John Kennedy of Louisiana and Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Well, I, I, I agree with, uh, with uh, Kennedy because I don't see how Milley survives this. And the Biden administration is doing what all administrations do with people that are in your cabinet or uh, in your, on your team. Your first reaction is to defend them because you do not want to go with your political opponents and immediately throw them under the bus. But at some point, if this with Mark Milley grows – in terms of public perception and people continue to get upset, then Biden's going to ask him just, I, I want you, I want you to resign. You can be, re you can resign or, or be fired. So let me uh, be sure that I understand as much as you guys know and what's being reported. Uh, the general general Milley, and I don't know why I want to say vanilla after that <laughs> immediately, but it just, uh, just rhythmic, I guess. Yeah. Or, Millie Vanilli. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite groups of all time. <laughs> they got, you know, they were lip syncers. But, yeah, but, but boy, still. Boy, could they lip sync. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, but is is uh, on these two phone calls, as Ed says, there's nothing inappropriate, and I'm sure it goes on, peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, world leaders talking to each other, military leaders even talking to each other. However... This seems to be this abnormal. Uh, is our top military official calling the Chinese to basically say, if my boss, the commander-in-chief, 
then President Trump, if he um, if he does something I consider uh, crazy, uh, we're not going to follow his commands. And I just wanted to give reassurances to you guys that that's the case. Now, I don't I doubt he would say anything explicitly like that, but is that the essence of what he's telling? Well, maybe he did, but the essence of what he's telling the Chinese, because if, if, if that's true, that's a break in the chain of command that the military follows and, and a, and a disregard for civilian, uh, control of, of the military, which is, uh, the way our constitution Mm -hmm. operates and an aside to this, I would want to know is whatever gave you any indication that President Trump was ready to launch nuclear weapons at China? I mean, where did this come from? You know what I'm saying? Uh, this just seems like I haven't seen this report, that kind of thing reported anywhere. Well, first of all, uh, the the first part of what you said is what this retired general uh, Don Baldock said when he said this is anywhere but this falls somewhere right, between right. treason and dereliction of duty because it's dereliction of duty because you're suppo- you're a general you're supposed to be following what the commander in chief says the president and not undermining his civilian control of the military it potentially reaches towards treason if you're talking about a wartime scenario in which we're about to attack china to defend our national interests and you tell the chinese we're coming which is going to lead to, uh, but there was no evidence of that being. I mean, that's the first time I've even heard of this. Last couple of days, this well, kind of, it, that kind of scenario because it came out in this book from uh, Woodward and Costa, and and then the uh, the other thing uh, is from what you're talking about is, and I forgot now what the what the other thing. Vanilli? No, <laughs> oh. you may, you you asked us a, a second question now, and I, no, I, I can't. I'm asking. What was, well, I just don't know where this. Uh, is in this book uh, by Bob Woodward, is he saying President Trump was getting ready to go to war with the Chinese? No, that's that. That was the thing I was going to going to mention. Is that that the narrative on the left leading up to the uh, election in 2020 was that Trump is? Remember, Trump is not going to leave office even if he loses. He yes, will, right. He will he right. will gin up some sort of excuse right, and right. he'll stay in office. Gotcha. And then they said he'll probably even start a war gotcha. to stay in office. That right. that is where that narrative developed. And you know, these commentators on the left are defending Mark Milley. I watched as much as I could take of the view <laughs> and Joy Behar on the view saying she was saying we all knew that the president, President Trump was was nuts, certifiably, she said, as if he had already been, you know, gone through a, a team of psychiatrists, certifiably nuts, and that he was capable of starting a nuclear war to stay in office. Okay, that, first of all, that's a lie. Yes, it's because, a lie. Because uh, when you use the uh, expression certifiable, there is a medical diagnosis for mental illness like that. Right, right. And we, we're talking about... Now we all use common expressions like Biden is nuts or some the left would say Trump is nuts. That's just a general you know expression of uh, I don't agree with them and I think what they're doing doesn't make sense. That kind of thing. But to say he's certifiably crazy, okay? Therefore, there what she's saying there is that therefore anything that General Milley decided to do or any of the other 
cabinet officials, the FBI, to stop Trump was 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 okay. Yes, because well, she, she they were because even talking she's judged about, him as they were even talking about you know invoking uh, in, invoking the twenty fifth amendment. All this stuff was going on, and yeah. she was talking about the fact that and, and she said we all knew he was crazy. Yeah, you know. Well, so is, is, her is party. Miley is Miley subscribed to the Joy Behar? Millie, uh, Millie Vanilli, Millie rather Millie. Did he did, did he subscribe to her viewpoint? That's get, what that's what the well depends on if you believe the book. Part of the analysis that I, I've heard is that uh, Millie is very much a political animal, and yeah. and wanted to stay on after the election as joint, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of right. Staff. And so he was doing things. There's some other aspects to all of this. Number one, Trump was not aware of anything that Millie was doing. All these phone calls. He didn't Num- tell him? No. He did not tell his he boss. Was, he, he didn't tell his boss that he's calling the Chinese? He did not. Because Trump is out there saying wow. if, it, if this happened, it's treason. Number two, the other thing that's going on and that hasn't been denied by Millie's spokesman yet is that Milley was going around to the other military leaders. He's chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. His role in that role is advisor to the president. But he was telling these other military people, if you get any orders to do anything, it goes through me, Milley. That's not the way it works. That is not the way it works. Number two, the second phone call, January the 8th. He also had, Milley had a phone call after the riot at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th he and Nancy Pelosi are talking about the possibility that Trump may try something. Of course, Trump was not aware of that also. Trump's still president? Trump is still president January the right. 8th. I knew the answer, yes. but I just wanted to make sure people understood this. Yes. The other person who should have been in the loop on all of this was the Secretary of State at the time under President Trump, and that was Mike Pompeo. According to Mike Pompeo, who did an interview in the last 12 hours, he wasn't aware of what Millie was up to. And we have a clip of that, cut number one. It would certainly be acting in a way that you were knowingly acting in a way that was inconsistent with the best interests of the United States government, and certainly the authority that you had as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I can say that with absolute certainty. We know this, too. If that conversation took place, you, you've been speculating about what the Chinese Communist Party would think. I, I can tell you they would have used that to their advantage. They would have found a way to inflict a cost on the United States of America. I hope I hope this didn't happen the way it's described in Woodward's book. I, I, uh, I, can, I can only say that we need to get to the bottom of this just as quickly as possible. Well, he, will, will General Milley uh, be appearing before Congress? Yes, in the next couple of weeks. He is already scheduled, even before this, the book uh, came out, he was already scheduled to appear in a, a Senate investigation with regards to Afghanistan. So now that that will take place, but now there will also be questions for sure, at least from the Republicans with regards to this. And let me let me let me quote directly from what uh, Joy Behar said because I think this this explains the mindset of the left towards the president and why you see increasingly some of these commentators on MSNBC and elsewhere defending General Mark Milley. This is what Joy Behar said, I think it was on yesterday's show. The whole time that Trump was president, I was home saying, please, God, make there be an adult who controls this lunatic. 
I was praying, let there be somebody in the room who holds his arm back when he goes to that button, talking about the nuclear button. And God bless General Milley for straightening things out. I know that the chain of command is sacrosanct. I understand that. But this was an emergency. We had a certifiable nutcase in the White House. So that that is the perspective of those who are defending General Mark Milley, is it was that bad you had to have somebody stop the lunatic Trump. What That's if, what she's saying. What if uh, Biden becomes so mentally declined or so riddled with dementia that uh, the, the Miley had to intervene, go do the same thing to him as uh, he did to Trump, uh, allegedly? Would the left go along with that? <laughs> no. Oh, they would say the chain of command was broken. You can't do that. It's yes. unconstitutional. You see my point? Right. Mm. Uh, well, anyway, we'll we'll know more when he – if I were him, I'd go on TV today and have a press conference and and clear the air. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even wait for the – if I were Millie, I wouldn't even wait for the uh, congressional hearing that's, that's uh, scheduled. Uh, you He's going to have to defend himself before Congress. Yeah, yeah I, gonna, I know. I know. He's going to have to say, "I thought I, I thought the president was crazy." Yeah, but you know what? That's not your judgment call. No, it's not. Uh, and what is crazy? Uh, there is an appropriate mechanism for dealing with that. It's called the Twenty Fifth Amendment. And you know what? Your cabinet has to uh, uh, approve of that. You know what's crazy? What taking all protection away from our southern border? That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that, yeah re- removing yeah. our protections. I mean, the story right. only gets worse from our southern border folks. Right. There's a story out there this morning. Uh, the drug cartels are having a field day. There are, our guys are so busy dealing with illegal immigrants yeah. flowing across the border. There are tons of drugs being spread throughout this country right now. People the, are dying. The fentanyl. Is that what it's fentanyl, called? Fentanyl, exactly. That's just exploding across yes. uh, America. That's the definition of crazy when you take down the border of a country. It's almost That's daily crazy. I read about a, a well-known or celebrity, well-known person or celebrity dying of an overdose of that. I, yep. And I guess it's out there really bad in the general public. Well, uh, just back to the Millie story for just a moment. We'll see. We'll know more when he testifies. I wouldn't wait to testify because... If what he did is, well, if you've already told me he's on the phone with the Chinese and his boss, the president of the United States, the commander in chief, doesn't even know about the conversations he's having with China, that enough and is a lo- uh, that alone to me mm-hmm. is insubordination. It seems to me that if you're, the Ch- if you're the lawyer for General Mark Milley, uh, that you tell your client you better resign. Do not, under any circumstances, go under oath before Congress okay. because you will wind up saying something that could get you in real legal hot water. Yeah. I mean, because unless you're going to say before Congress, I came here to talk about Afghanistan, I won't be discussing any of those other issues. But if you're answering the question, you know they're going to press you and say, did you make the call? You make the call regularly. Did you say what yeah, Bob Woodward said. What, what's interesting here is uh, Bob Woodward is a liberal himself. Yes. Right. And the left loves his books mm-hmm. and what he writes. He's legendary for his uh, investigative reporting during the Watergate scandal back in the 70s. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it, it isn't like this is from a, a conservative or right 
right. wing publication where the left goes, oh, you can't believe what uh, what those people say. So, and evidently, um, Millie is, uh, at least his spokesperson, is conceding that he did do some of these things that, uh, or maybe all of them, that Bob Woodward. But I think the book paints on. Millie as a hero. Okay. In, in, in the way Jory Behar. Right. See, yes. he, he saved the day. Yes. For the world, because Trump was about to use a nuclear code right. yes. scenario. Tom Clancy. Would, <laughs> Where are you? Would be proud of that. <laughs> we'll be back momentarily. Stay with us. we got a blockbuster report here. Hurricane Ida is one of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana to date. Thousands are in need of hope and help. So 8 Days of Hope is headed to Louisiana to help them begin rebuilding their lives. If you're local to the area or if you can travel, you're very welcome to join. But if you can't do that, you're still able to help through your prayers and donations. To sign up as a volunteer or to donate, go to 8daysofhope.com. 8daysofhope.com. You know, when Matthew 19, the, the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. A young mom and her two-year-old baby were kicked off an American Airlines flight the other day. Amanda Pendarvis was having a difficult time keeping the mask on her little boy. He suffers from asthma, was struggling to breathe in the mask. A flight attendant pitched a fit, told the pilot to turn the plane around. They were going back to the gate. Three police officers were summoned to deal with the crying two-year-old, tossed from the plane for being non-compliant. You can watch the unbelievable video on my website, ToddSterns.com. Meanwhile, a masked man inside a Target chased a non-masked person around the store demanding to know whether she was vaccinated. He called her a bad American. Maybe it's just me, but this nanny state mentality of the pro-mask crowd has gotten out of control, folks. The only thing worse than the China virus pandemic is a pandemic of rude behavior. Mind your manners, America. I'm Todd Stearns. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. We don't have any Millie Vanilli music to uh, play, so that we, we, we couldn't find it in our archives. <laughs> Millie uh, Vanilli, yeah, we, we, we were not going to have that in our archives. Our archives. Fred Jackson here with me, Tim Wildman, and Ed Battagliano. Thank you for listening to American Family Radio. Send us an email if you'd like at comments at AFR.net, comments at AFR.net. So I used the word blockbuster as we were going to break right there about our next segment, and I mean, I don't want to overstate it. Uh, what is blockbuster is not something we've discovered, but rather a, an article that has appeared in the Atlantic magazine, which has some blockbuster information. Yes. That, that, uh, first of all, who is the Atlantic magazine? Oh, Fred, Fred it's a very conservative <laughs> magazine, isn't it? I, it's one of the most left-leaning magazines that's out there. This this is a magazine. Just that to the li- right of Mother Jones. That, that liberals <laughs> that liberals love. I will, say, I will say this, and I said this this morning in our story meeting. Uh, periodically, I will find an article right. in the Atlantic they're, they're, they have some. They do have some really good reporting, at times. Right. But it's usually slanted to the left in terms of their conclusions. But they are a well-known left-leaning yes. magazine. Even right. the New York Times, they will do an honest story every now and yes, then. Yes, that's that's true. I mean, and, and we've quoted them. Yeah, or it's called the blind squirrel syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Even a blind squirrel will find an acorn, acorn every once in a while. Once in a while. Every well, now, but but right. set this up for us, Fred. All right. If you've been watching uh, President Joe Biden's news conferences, CDC news conferences over the last several months, uh, very often they will raise the alarm bells over the hospital hospitalizations caused by COVID. You know that we must do something. Our hospitals are overwhelmed. Uh, you know, the staff can't keep up with this and they use it to justify you need to go out and get vaccinated because that will help alleviate this crisis that we have in hospitals across the country. All right. So they use the hospitalization numbers. All right. <clears throat> Here's the title of the Atlantic magazine article, which was published last Sunday. Our most reliable pandemic number is losing meaning. That is their title of the article. So what's the thrust of this? Well, basically it's this. That the numbers that you're hearing, which lead lead you to believe that hospitals are overwhelmed with serious COVID cases, it's simply not true. All right? I'm going to read some of these portion of of the article. It's a long article. Can't read it all. If you want to make sense of the number of COVID hospitalizations at any given time, you need to know how sick each patient actually is. Until now, that's been almost impossible to suss out. The federal government, pardon me, requires hospitals to report every patient who tests positive for COVID, yet the overall tallies of COVID hospitalizations made available on various state and federal dashboards and widely reported on by the media do not differentiate based on severity of illness. Now, again, I 
have to paraphrase some of this. What the thrust of the article is saying is that <clears throat> there are people come in with mild symptoms. Checkmark COVID. That's all. That's the report that you get. Mild symptoms. There are many, reading from the article again, there are many COVID patients in the hospital with fairly mild symptoms, too, who have been admitted for further observation on account of their comorbidities or because they reported feeling short of breath. Another portion of the patients in this tally are in the hospital for something unrelated to COVID and discovered that they were infected only because they were tested upon admission. In other words, going in for gallbladder, they got a pain in their side, appendicitis. Oh, well, we have to do a test. Check mark, COVID. If you Even though much, they're asymptomatic. They're asymptomatic. That's not why they're at the hospital, but they get marked down as being a COVID patient. How many patients fall into each category has been a topic of much speculation. Here you go, folks. In August, researchers from Harvard Medical School, Tufts Medical Center, and Veterans Affairs Healthcare System decided to find out. So... You have a research team made up of Harvard people, Tufts Medical Center. They're all doing the investigation, all right? It's not a bunch of conservatives. It's a bunch of medical people from very trusted medical sources. All right. So basically, here's what they found out, that almost 50% of the hospitalization numbers are these people who are basically asymptomatic or they checked into the hospital or went to the emergency room for something totally unrelated. Or to minor or very minor cases of COVID. Very minor cases of COVID. All right. Um, uh, the study found that from March 2020 through early January 2021, before vaccination was widespread, the proportion of patients with mild or asymptomatic disease was 36%. From mid-January of this year to the end of June of this year, however, that number rose to 48%. In other words, the study suggests that roughly half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on COVID data dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for another reason entirely or had only a mild presentation of the disease. This increase was even bigger for vaccinated hospital patients of whom 57% had mild or asymptomatic disease. But unvaccinated patients have also been showing up with less severe symptoms on average than earlier in the pandemic. The study found that 45% of their cases were mild or asymptomatic since January 21. Yeah, th this to me is a, is a blockbuster for a number of reasons. First of all, <clears throat> let's talk about sources. This is the Atlantic yes. magazine. It's a liberal magazine. This is not some conservative blogger you spouting off. Okay, these are real journalists, generally speaking, even though a lot of times they'll, like I said, slant their articles, they do some some good investigative work. And then secondly, the source of the statistics that the article is relying on comes from valid, well-respected medical sources. Harvard, Harvard University, Tufts. Tufts Medical School. Okay, uh, th these are top-notch and they and what they are saying is really stunning. My my question is, okay. Now let's go ahead. You go ahead and finish your presentation because I I do have a question. Did you get to the? You still have no. more to, to share. I want our listeners to hear this. Study also demonstrates that hospitalization rates for COVID, as cited by journalists and policymakers, can be misleading if not considered carefully. Ding ding ding. 
politicians who have a narrative or, and again, this is the Atlantic's talk, journalists, all right, who also are part of the problem. Clearly, many patients right now are seriously ill. We also know that overcrowding of hospitals by COVID patients with even mild illness can have a negative implication for patients in need of other care. At the same time, this study suggests that COVID hospitalization tallies can't be taken as a simple measure of the prevalence or of severe or even moderate disease because they might inflate the true numbers by a factor of two. All right? Understand that. As we look to shift from cases to hospitalizations as a metric to drive policy and assess level of risk to a community or state or country, Doran, uh, one of the investigators, I believe, told me, referring to decisions about school closures, business restrictions, mask requirements, and so on, we should refine the definition of hospitalization. Those patients who are with rather than from COVID, don't belong in the metric. So th- that's when they, with and from means they are admitted into the hospital for some other reason with, but they also have COVID. They've been, di- yes. They've been, and then that's different from people being admitted into the hospital because of their severe COVID symptoms. Exactly. And they're saying it's half and half. Yeah. Half of the hospitalizations are mild symptoms or they came in with some other problem, they had a positive test, so they get checkmarked as a COVID hospitalization patient. Yeah. All right, so here, here's, here's my question, and, and you guys, can we, can we can discuss it. Because I'm sure there are people who are listening who are working in the medical field, mm-hmm. and my understanding is th- these people are exhausted. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're overworked. Do you, I, I'm, in terms of this Atlantic story, is it possible that their exhaustion and th- what they are perceiving as the COVID being at the center of it is because they're losing so many workers? You see what I'm saying? Understaffed, and that's the reason why they're exhausted, maybe not just because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just... Listen. It seems to be a phenomenon. Nobody's denying the reality of... Uh, COVID's COVID can kill people. Okay. Right. We all know people who've died mm-hmm. because of it, but so can a lot of other diseases and people die those every day. Right. Uh, I mean, so heart disease COVID's cancer. been in the forefront for the last year and a half, mm-hmm. but anyway, here's the thing is, is that this report, by the way, we posted it on our Facebook page. Right, it's the Atlantic story that Fred's been quoting from, which basically says uh, that the hospitalization numbers for COVID in America need to be um, contextualized. Yes, good point. And, and they're not being; they're being conflated. Mm-hmm. They're being exaggerated on purpose for because of a political agenda. Yes. Uh, or because the hospitals make money off COVID that they don't make off of another uh, virus or disease. And by it, the way, uh, it, it, go if, ahead. If if folks have information about this, that we our understanding was early on in the pandemic, the federal government was paying hospitals 
for COVID for caring for COVID patients. That they wouldn't pay for another. That they wouldn't pay for, for gallbladder. For gallbladder. Yeah. So uh, we are trying to find out if that is still going on. So if you are, if you're listening and you're in the medical profession and you have s- some information that can point us to an answer to that question, we would appreciate Send it. Send us an email. Comments at AFR.net. We, we, we just, it's hard for us to find current information about whether hospitals are receiving money from the federal government for treating COVID. Because you, that has to factor in because human beings, what they are, uh, will sometimes lie and cheat to make money. <laughs> Ever heard of that before? Yes. Yeah, that's so right. I, I, I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody of anything except to say that's human nature and people go to jail every day for it. Right. Yes. Right. Or, 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 or they would they they would consider it not even lying. They would they would say no, this person had COVID. Parentheses, he didn't come in for COVID, right. but we're still going to get paid from the federal government for it. Well, and this fits in exactly what we played for the last two days. Yes, of uh, the hospital uh, administrator and doctors talking on a Zoom meeting on a Zoom meeting that. That narrative that the, uh, well, it's not, I don't know if it's a narrative. That, well, it, yeah, th- those two things fit together. Um, do we still have that? I hate to play something three days in a row, but I mean, it fits. Am I, do you guys agree with me on this? I do. Yeah. And it's a narrative because you wonder how many other hospital staff administrators are having this conversation okay this is it's kind of difficult to understand when you first hear it but uh, i do want to play it one more time maybe we need to be completely a little bit more scary for the public then there's another comment as i completely agree there are many people still hospitalized that we're considering post-covid but we're not counting in those numbers so how do we include those post-covid people in the numbers of the patients we have in the hospital. So is that all the people who have been in the hospital since the beginning of COVID? Patients that are still in the hospital, that are off the COVID floor, but still are occupying the hospital for a variety of reasons. I'm sorry, we, we're calling those recovered now. If you look at yeah. the Navant Health dashboard, they're listed as recovered. But I do think it, from our standpoint, we would still consider them a COVID patient because they're still healing. Yeah, so I think that that needs to be highlighted as well. Kellen, we can talk offline and yeah. how we run that up to marketing. I think we have to be more blunt. We have to be more forceful. We have to say something coming out. You know, you don't get vaccinated. You know, you're going to die. I mean, let's just let's just be really blunt to these people. These people. That I is, mentioned this that, is, that is so bad. It is. Did, did she use the term marketing? Yeah. Yes. Oh, run up it up. up. Run, no, run up. it up to marketing. Yeah. In other words, she's saying this hospital, I guess she's in administration. She's saying we're going to have to scare the mess out of the public out there. We got to get our numbers up. And that, I mean, that's what she's saying. And the, the fellow's saying, uh, I think we need to talk about this in uh, private. Offline. <laughs> offline. Well, she, she said, let's, let's, she said, yeah. we got to be more scary. Yeah. And let's tell them if they don't get a vaccination, they they'll die, die yeah. which is, which is a lie. Now, I said the other day when we first played this, I said, it may be true that if you don't get a vaccination, 
you might die. Okay. I'm not telling people, I'm not a medical professional. You talk to your doctor. Right. But to tell people that if you don't get a vaccine, you'll die is a lie. Also, she was saying we got to figure out a way to keep the numbers up by counting the people who've recovered from COVID in our numbers. Yes. That's what she's saying. So it just makes, and talking about marketing, yes. thing, like it's a business uh, meeting they're having. Right. And, and so what I'm saying is, and I'm I, no way am I indicting all hospital administrators right. who are, I'm sure 99% of them are ethical, moral, decent people. But, but I'm saying to you is if you listen to that, and then you go, you read this article that Fred uh, cites from the Atlantic, which is a liberal publication, mm-hmm. at least center right, center left publication, citing Tufts and Harvard investigators, right, Fred? That's correct. Right. Uh, you can't help but go, but be suspicious that a lot of this is uh, a, a lot of this going on is. Um, a uh, a ruse. It's it's a uh, money making deal for a lot of people, and and people and they're making money off scaring the devil out of folks. Right. Well, well, also and, and it, it, what you're saying is true, okay. but but as troubling, I find, and uh, I quoted this article quotes Doran, and by the way, Doran, um, he is a uh, doctor. At Tufts, all right? Listen to what he says at the close of this article. Um, As we look to shift from cases to hospitalizations as a metric to drive policy, he's talking public policy, and assess level of risk to a community or state or country, Doran told me, referring to decisions about school closures, business restrictions, mask requirements, and so on, we should refine the definition of hospitalization. What he's saying was... Right now, public policy, mass mandates, vaccination mandates, one of the things they're using is hospitalizations. He says it's wrong. It's misleading. We have to stop this. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. This because is- the, the number being touted as for hospitalizations, COVID hospitalizations, is probably twice what it should be. The number is yes. double. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Read the article for yourself, folks. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, well, you, you know, <clears throat> and and it's all the big liberal, liberal social media folks are flagging everybody for misinformation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if 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 a, if a conservative publication would have put out that, they would have been flagged for misinformation. Yes. And false information and violating of community right. standards, because uh, these big social media uh, outlets or platforms, basically all they're going on, they're saying, "What does the CDC say?" And that's the only thing we're considering, right? Uh, or you know, or the WHO. Y'all remember the WHO? I'm talking about uh, World Health Organization, not Peter Townsend. <laughs> uh, the World Health Organization, does my memory serve me correct that in the initial weeks of the COVID story breaking, they were saying that China is telling us that this is not transmitted person to person? Do y'all remember that? Uh, I'm try- I-, I do remember a number of things in the early days that got the 
that got you don't, the but WHA. you don't remember that specifically. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying it's it's well, not all right, true. I just we'll, I can't remember. But they, but they did they did did take some shots to their credibility early on the WHO. I because I, I, there are, if I don't remember that correctly, I, I'll look it up on a social media giant <laughs> and see if I can confirm my own recollection of that. But it, it kind of fit in the category of F- Dr. Fauci saying you don't need to wear a mask. That's not going to help you any. Right. Then a few weeks later, a month later, he goes, wear a mask. Yeah. Maybe even two. Yeah. Goggles. Remember that? Yeah. Because you can get COVID through the eyes. Right. Yeah, th- th- that would have been a terrible mistake to advocate for probably, well, goggles. I don't know. Maybe maybe everybody wear goggles. Maybe that would have been a good thing. Uh, all right. Uh, I say in jest. You're <laughs> listening to today's Issues on American Family Radio. Jan Markell joins us most Thursdays at this time or around this time. Uh, she's the host of Understanding the Times Radio on the weekends here on AFR and uh, – She's the founder of Olive Tree Ministries out of the Twin Cities, uh, and uh, she joins us now from that community. How you doing, Jan? Doing well. Thank you for having me. So appreciate it. You wearing a mask or goggles, or you got a hazmat <laughs> suit on, or what do you got up going on there? Uh, I just came back from the West Coast, and honest, and, and with a, a audience attendance of. I don't know, about 2,500. And honestly, gentlemen, I did not see one mask, not one. So I'm just thinking that in a lot of people's mind, they've kind of figured out that the mask is not the most helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I was one of those in the audience, Jan. Yes, you were, Fred. Thank you for coming. All right, you guys tell us, Jan, tell us what, uh, what happened at the conference. What was the theme? Well, the theme was, Behold, He Comes, because Jesus is coming at any minute. We certainly don't know the day or the hour, but the Bible says we can know the season by looking at certain signs that keep breaking, not on a, it used to be uh, on a weekly basis or monthly basis, now it's minute by minute they break. And so we looked at a lot of those signs, and and I think we encouraged the, fl- the flock. We had about 33,000 live streaming, and hundreds of churches participating, plus the um, in-person audience that I just referenced. And and honestly, gentlemen, I saw such enthusiasm. I mean, they all left the real world, at least for a day, uh, knowing that the real world is getting scarier and scarier, and they had to focus on the eternal biblical perspective, at least for a day, because there we find hope. And there we can have expectation that, number one, God has everything under control, and number two, he's got a great future for us. Amen. Jen, I love what you say, and have repeated this a number of times, and and that is things aren't falling apart, but they're falling into place. And uh, I thought that... That is that, that that's a great picture to have in your mind. Now, you, you kind of outlined 10 indicators of the Lord's yeah. soon return. You mentioned one in particular. Uh, yeah. And you were quoting, I'm, I'm trying to remember, World Economic uh, Group or whatever, referring to that the United States must become, uh, must uh, stop being a superpower. Can you just flesh that out a little bit for us? Yes. And just summing up here in, in a minute here would, would be, uh, yeah, I looked at 10 things that I think are a herald of his coming, but number one would be the decline of America. We don't see any reference in the Bible 
to a great power to the West that's going to arise in the last days. Um, we only see references to the Middle East and then I think some references perhaps to Europe and the Antichrist probably arising out of Europe. But my number two point was the rise of the World Economic Forum. That's Klaus Schwab's outfit he formed in 1971. Keep in mind that's 50 years ago. This is the global elite, the World Economic Forum, that includes Bill Gates, Oh, my goodness, all the, the world's globalists uh, coming together under Mr. Schwab's leadership. And their intent is, <clears throat> their motto is, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, that's global Marxism. And I believe that describes the world under the Antichrist. And I believe that World Economic Forum form of government will be in the tribulation from which I teach the church is absent, and I understand there are other interpretations of the rapture timing. Uh, so I, I believe that that World Economic Forum is setting the stage for the kingdom of the Antichrist, which was kind of the emphasis of my own personal message. We also had Michelle Bachman. She just happened to be in the neighborhood. She was out there to speak for another church, and she came on that event, which is last Saturday, and then we slotted her in to speak, um, and let me tell you, gentlemen, she ignited the audience, and not because it was good news. <clears throat> I mean, she gave us inside information on on just what went wrong in Afghanistan and what about forced vaccines, things like that. Yeah. Uh, so folks can still go to BeholdHeComes.org, BeholdHeComes.org, and just follow instructions and watch the nine hours online. Or they can call my office and get DVDs. They'll be ready in early October. And I'm not saying any of this to try to make a sale. I'm trying to get the church equipped for these final days so that we can go out and redeem the time. Amen. While you make money off CDs. (laughs) Yeah, DVDs. DVDs. I'm sorry. My bad. I blew the joke. Sorry. Hey, Jan, we love you, and thank you for your work. And uh, what was that web- What was the website again to go watch the conference? Go watch it, BeholdHeComes.org. BeholdHeComes.org. We'll be back in five minutes, everybody. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.